Shakedown Radio Hour is on the air. I'm Gene George. I'm Brody Foster Hubbard. Is this going to be an hour? This is our this is our Labor Day show. This is our Labor Day special. Is it an extravaganza? It's a very extra extravaganza special. It's, it's it, there's some additional vaganza in it. Yeah. Oh boy, it's already starting out strong. I'm just saying. I'm going to be positive. I'm going to put a positive spin on this. All right. Especially after that song. <laughs> Let's see what our guests thought of that song. Gene, why don't you introduce our guest? Um, we've had him on the show before. Uh, you know him, you love him. It's Bob Schreiner. Thanks for having me, guys. Sure. Be, uh, congratulations on being our first repeat guest. Oh, wow. I didn't know that was... Did, well, I, I think those do our, our wives and family count? No. No, of course they don't. Well, in some ways. That's true. Yeah, yeah, no, that is true. It is a, <laughs> an auspicious occasion. Wow. Um, yeah, it's Labor Day. <laughs> that's right. That's an auspicious occasion. Is it an auspicious occasion? Something else. We're recording from the brand new Shaky Town Studios. And actually, yeah, you know, we, we joke about the Shaky Town Studios, but but do you have a, a beautiful space now? Thank you very much for Brody uh, to all the work that you and your wife put into this. Absolutely. I mean, it's subpar still, but you put a lot of work. Yeah, in. yeah, it's a I'm good start. Saying. I'm just. Saying. And for those sending correspondence to the radio show, uh, don't feel like you can't use the old address. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. The snail mail. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so you didn't love the song? Bob Schreiner. I loved it. What's not to love about it? <laughs> but it's kind of the love, I think it's kind of the love you would be, you feel to like, if you were someone at the turn of the century who had like a... Um, you know, a disabled cousin who's in the attic. Like, you feel obliged to love it. It was not unlike the love a man would have for a creek that runs near his house, yet out of his vision. Hmm. Occasional, well, occasional burbling carried, wafted on into yeah. your window. Sometimes I'll walk down there and take a look. <laughs> but I can't see it from my window. And I like it just fine. Well, here's the, the origin of the song. Alex Melamede. Uh, Vitaly Komar and David Soldier. Melamine? How's that spelled? M-E-L-A-M-I-D? Oh, okay. Melamine. Could be melamine. Me- melamine. Okay. I thought you said melamine like the heir to the white melamine shelving fortune. Ah. Uh, well, no. These three people uh, did an online poll uh, in the like a decade ago about what would make the most annoying song ever. And, <laughs> and among the, the things that were mentioned were bagpipes holiday music children's choruses and so based on these answers they put together the world's worst song that's not the worst song well no that's just a segment of it it's like a 20 minute epic you just happen to hear the labor day section of the song oh so it's all about holidays uh it's about a whole lot of nonsense um hmm yeah, you know, I, I find there's it, opera rapping. I find there's... it less. I find it less annoying now that I know that it's they're trying to intentionally make it annoying. Yeah, it it really is taking the wind out of the annoying sails, so to speak. I, I was really not even annoyed at all, but now that I know that it's deliberately annoying, fail. <laughs> yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. Well, but, that's the funny thing because they also put together the most desirable song, 
And the Isn't most... that what Rivers Cuomo is trying to do? <laughs> like scientifically design the most desirable pop song? And and sneak in the underlying theme of, of creepy older man and underage Japanese girl? Yes. <laughs> that might have just been the Pinkerton an album, though. I don't know. Fucking creep. <laughs> <laughs> They're doing a, uh, a cruise, I believe. A Weezer cruise. Oh, Christ, are they? Yeah, but the thing is, it's got really good bands on it. It's like, um... And Weezer? <laughs> way, to, way to get credibility. <laughs> yes! <laughs> to invite it on a boat with you. Yeah. I was gonna say... <laughs> God. A Weezer cruise. Uh, that seems to be that seems to be going on. There seems to be a lot of, like, cruise-themed things. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just we're getting older and our peer group wants to be on boats. To do things, I kind of get people. it. I also think that a Weezer cruise is going to have more per capita rape than the history of the Greek Navy. <laughs> Just rape in general. Just rape. raping, like. Well, actually, it'll be date rape. Okay, specifically, it's all going to be guys in ringers <laughs> finding girls on deck chairs that have had one too many Long Island iced teas, <laughs> right, right, right. Mai Tais, maybe. Did you hear about the weird thing that happened at the Del Close Marathon? No. So every year at uh, UCB New York, they have the, a marathon in honor of the late Del Close, the godfather of improv. The godfather of improv? Grandfather of improv? Godfather of soul? I think so. Um, and what uh, the actual UCB guys like Besser and Walsh and everybody, uh, they I think they did like an ass cat where they invited audience members to come up mm-hmm. and share their stories as opposed to having a special guest monologist monologist yes christ brody and one guy came up and basically told a date rape story like how he had violated somebody sweet um so the audience was just booing and they're just like you gotta get off the stage now like this is not cool and it's it's a apparently a uh fairly not well known, but like a dude in the Chicago improv scene who was there for it, like a Second City guy, and came up and told the story. I didn't know that. I have my ears not been to the improv ground to get the thundering heard. Yeah, of yeah. I guess just after that much, what's well, I kind of feel like so many people who are maybe not like traditional comics, you know, people like I mean, like I always think I'm I'm kind of trying to find this this happy medium between spoken word and stand up where you can kind of be a little bit more storied and not have to like, you know, punchline every two minutes yeah. or, or every 30 seconds. So you sort of feel like there's that, you know, and I feel like there's a lot of other people there. So I, mean, I don't know, perhaps just a, a a long running history of rape jokes has led to rape spoken word. Um, still a bit unsettling. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, no, that's weird. That's kind of weird. Yeah. But you know, I mean, in a lot of ways... In a lot of ways, having gone through the UCB program, uh, there's a lot of kind of truth kind of telling things that, I mean, people have told some stories in our little just shitty mm-hmm. you know, improv class monologues, you know, that have been kind of personal. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. What's the statute of limitations on that? <laughs> I don't know. That would be my, my first thought before I told a date rape joke. Yeah, hopefully he's been tarred and feathered by now, by the time this airs. Well, maybe she was asking for it, though. Hey, I'm just saying, dress like that? Come on. Horrible. I know. Horrible. My heart goes out to everyone. Everyone? Everyone, including the rapers. Because, you know, they got problems, too. 
Love yeah, they, they have problems. Love right. everybody. I think you have problems. So what I'm saying is I advocate date rape. Uh, I am not saying that. And of course, you mean that Sublime song? Yes. If it wasn't for date rape, I'd never get laid. I don't advocate any sub- Sublime song. And I don't. you know what I don't advocate is people playing Sublime songs at parties on my guitar, which actually happened at a housewarming party. How, how many times has that happened? Okay, so... Uh, <laughs> oh, God, really? There's more than one time? <laughs> it was the, mi- the mid-aughts. Wow. And I had just finally moved out of uh, the house I shared with the second most significant partner in my life. Uh-huh. Um, and I moved in with Jackie O. Jackie O is the... Um, Widow of JFK. No. Yes. But this Jackie O is Phoenix's own Jackie O. Uh, she uh, is the editor of Pool Boy Magazine, which is a alt porn mag for gals who like... And I guess gay dudes who like dudes. Um, Not a lot of gay dudes that don't like dudes. Right. Just saying. Right. Um, and she's, you know, just a general zinester um, and comic presence in Phoenix. Do you know Jackie? I don't. I mean, maybe if I saw her. Yeah. The name doesn't... Pillbox hat, big sunglasses. <laughs> so she, um, I, you know, we, we were uh, friendly and uh, she let me move in when I needed a place to stay. So I got to stay with her for a couple months, which was very nice of her. And when you say you were friendly, does that mean there are back issues that you appear in? A full boy? Yeah. Did we make a little extra money? You were young, young and needed the work? Part of you hiding behind a stack of towels. <laughs> um, so we had this like kind of housewarming party, and <laughs> a friend of mine who is a local musician um, was, was in attendance, and he had my guitar and he was playing sublime songs and all the gals loved it i, I think you're ang- more angry about that than the actual sublime songs yeah yeah that he was pulling tail with your guitar no i i didn't mind because i was i was doing fine on my own but i just didn't like it yeah that's the point where you turn on the hose even though it's inside and start spraying <laughs> <sighs> oh. if it was it wasn't your guitar you could have animal housed him <laughs> well, you still should have. Yeah, maybe that would have been worth it. Spit mashed potatoes out on him? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Guess what I am? I'm a zip. No, no. You know, you know what I'm talking I about. I do. You know what I'm talking I, about. Don't, I, don't I, fucking do I, that. I own the, the DVD Animal House. So, Bob, what are you? What are your Labor Day plans? Your Labor Day weekend plans? Because we, I'll, I'll pull the curtain back a little bit. This is being recorded before Labor Day, but Labor Day weekend will have be. It'll be wrapping. What up are you doing right now? <laughs> yeah, what are you doing right now? <laughs> right now. Uh, well, I'm going to, it's, it's a, Labor Day is a funny holiday because you don't work and I just wish more holidays were like that. Yeah. You know, I wish Christmas was a day that I didn't have to hear anybody talk about Jesus and I didn't have to buy shit for anybody. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> then again, I guess the rest of the year is like that. So <laughs> who am I kidding? Uh, Thanksgiving would just be a day that I thank people for nothing. Uh, but Labor Day, I don't know. I'm just, you know, I'm probably going to grill something, enjoy a little vodka. So it should just be called day for you. Pepper up my resume a little bit so I can <laughs> celebrate the next uh, Labor Day with a greater degree of disposable income. Yeah. I hear that. Do you? Well, I'm... Are you taking it in? Well, I'm, I'm, uh, I've, I've received notice at my work. I work in reality television, so it's not temporary. I mean, it's not permanent work. It's always temporary. So. Reality is fluctuating these days. Yeah. <laughs> I've been given my out date, so I'm now doing the full court press... Uh, which at some point will turn into a Hail Mary pass. 
Um, that's all the sports analogies I've got. I'm basically, yeah. I'm You'll like, be sweeping the floor ahead of the puck or whatever the thing yeah. you're using, the curling stone. I am making my efforts to find new employment is the point. So um, I don't know if the show I'm working on is coming back or not. You never know. And you never know for sure whether they'll ask you back. Um, so I'm entertaining the idea of working in a different uh, line of work. Sure. So... Is it a poor? Is it a uh, unaccepted practice to talk about your the name of your show on your show? Uh, it's considered bad form. I see. I mean, it, it, yeah, I, I, you, people could easily find it because right. of my my resume and right. the fact my name is on the show, like right. in the credits. Right. But yeah, you know, because I, I don't want to appear to for or against it. Of course. Yeah. Um, I, I can honestly say I love the people I work with. Though they're really great. They're really that means cool you people. hate the show, though. <laughs> That doesn't mean that either. Uh-huh. I actually, I will admit, I actually do get some enjoyment on the show. Really? Like, I don't watch it when it airs because I've already seen the episode. Four billion times. Yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah because I'm responsible in right. part, um, not wholly. Like, there's other people who have way more to do with it than I do. But I, in part, help get what are called deliverables to the network, which is like, this is the stuff that was on screen, the text that was on screen. This was the music that was on the show, this episode. I help compile those lists for the network and without naming the show you work for uh i will say with with all sincerity that it does affirm uh choices that i've made in my life up to now (laughs) it's rupaul's drag race isn't it (laughs) (laughs) it is not for the record rupaul's drag (laughs) so it is though isn't it (laughs) I, I would love to go back and work on there if that is a viable option. Um, but, you know, I could end up... Uh, I got a movie coming out, too. So that could take off. That could begin my acting career. You, could, me. Be, you could be getting some sequel work. And, on the map. Yeah. Uh, I've been hearing some buzz. Nikki Fink. <laughs> September 30th, Echo Park Film Center. Five bucks. <laughs> the best... The best part about the Nikki Fink thing that I just yeah. said is the first person whose name popped into my head was Rex Reed. <laughs> oh, hi there. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I have no idea why. Yeah. It's just, I'm, always about, I'm always a half a second away from thinking about Rex Reed, probably. Aren't we all? A coiled spring. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, everybody come out. Well, the beast. It'll be September thirtieth. And we'll uh, by then the uh, episode uh, will have aired. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. They've heard that. They've heard it. Mm-hmm. Okay. You better have heard it by now. Yeah. Um, if you if you're just coming into this podcast, first off, why? And second off, did you listen to the back issues? You should have. Such as our back episode with Bob Schreiner, who's here, That's our right. guest this week. Set yourself up. Yeah. Get yourself some. That was a lot of fun. Background? Yeah. What have you been doing since then? Have you creatively speaking? Uh, mostly fucking off, but yeah. I've also written some things. I'm, uh, I'm doing a series of stories. Uh, I'm toying with this idea of... Um, I mean, the stories are written, but I'm toying with this idea of, uh, of illustrating a series of... You know, like, they will, they will appear as kids' books, but they're things that if you're really, you know, if you're my parents, well, my parents couldn't read. But if you're <laughs> most parents, you wouldn't want your kids reading this sort of thing. Um, so it's been a fun little series of, um, some very, some are, are very slightly fictionalized. Yeah. Um, like, there's a, there's a time where uh, my, a friend and I, Found a dog in a neighborhood. We we're looking for a house, and he just seemed like he wanted to hang out with us. So, 
we invited him to the car with an open door and he came running and then we spent the rest of the day getting kicked out of restaurants and stores and <laughs> semiconductor assembly factories and uh, it was just a great great day with this found dog and um, so there's a story like this which you know, I think was just it looked great you know with very you know children's illustration you know yeah book illustration I've read the so, story it's really good so there's a series of, of those that I'm just that I've written and just talking to different people illustrating and I'm and I'm toying with the idea of making them just like 99 cent phone apps just so oh, I can cool. just go throw them out and easily accessible and cool very portable 99 cents 99 cents that sounds awesome so affordable cool because um, you can't just give it away but oh, you can't no. take it with you but I'm giving this away so if anyone wants to get in touch I'll probably just tell you those stories in a bar <laughs> but you won't get the illustrations which will be say, rich that's... and vivid <laughs> In the, in the Gustave Doré tradition. Yes, yeah. Woodcuts. I think Buy me a drink cuts. and I'll talk. <laughs> but my drawing will be poor. But I think it adds a certain character. So, yeah, yeah, scribbled sure. on bar napkin. Yeah, so those, those are going to be a lot of fun. And I've, uh, I have a few other things. Uh, I, have a, I have a grand scheme in the works that I'm not quite ready to, to, to pull the, the sheet off of. But yeah. It, it, it could make a lot of people mad. <laughs> Are you joining the clan? No. That's when you put the sheet on, I think. Oh, right. Yeah. No, when you pull the sheet off, it's somebody in an ape mask. Uh-huh. And then you pull it off, and it's you. Yeah. Really? And that's, then that's pulled off by the members of the cast of Scooby-Doo mm-hmm. after dun, you tried to scare everyone away from a... Amusement park that have, you wanted to drill for oil underneath. Have you seen the new Scooby Doo cartoons? Uh, I've only seen like snippets of them. Yeah, same here. They have you heard the music? No, no. They um, I we have a TV at work, and for whatever reason, my supervisor likes to watch cartoons or have cartoons on. I think my supervisor is actually working, but while we're working stuff, the Cartoon Network's on, and so these Scoob- new Scooby Doo's are on in the morning. And they have like the Ramones as the wow. Well, but that's a long-standing tradition of pop that's culture. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, when they're they're doing the whole, I wanted to say Benny Hill chasing, you know. Yeah, when, through the doors. Through yeah, the, uh, it's uh, so now the music. It is based have, on it is based on the old farces and comedy of manners. Yes, yes, very much so. And but you have, like, how, Ramones and other punk music. How great would it be? Because you know, like the Scooby Doo episodes of our childhood, you know, they would just be. Of course, you know they're. Here goes the mystery machine on a dark, bumpy road in the middle of nowhere because Fred lost the map. And suddenly you hear Velma so, the Harlem Globetrotters. Yep. And they're broken. You know, and they're standing at the side of a road in the middle of nowhere by their broken down Harlem Globetrotter van. And then collective adventure ensues. Um, I think it would be great if, you know, the new, if the new episodes of Scooby-Doo would, would actually have the Ramones. Yeah. Though from there, I don't, I don't know where it goes. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, it'd be the ghosts of the Ramones. Right. Most yeah. Of them. yeah. Yeah. It would be the Ramon, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> isn't isn't uh, yeah. Who's, who's left? Uh, I think just Marky. Yeah. And um, maybe it'd be CJ. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. a great, and I don't know if you knew this, but there's a great when this is the series of of Ramones uh, cover records that came out in nineties, uh, early nineties, or late. Yeah. Yeah late 90s um and i was actually <laughs> working in a record store at the time and saw joey ramon across the street from from said record store and uh 
approached him, and uh, and I just wanted to see you know if he even knew. I, I'd imagine it wasn't even on his radar. I yeah. it wasn't something he even knew about. So I'd asked him. I was like, "Do you know that there are bands that are covering entire Ramones records?" <laughs> and he looked at me in a. I mean, he already looks confused, or already looked confused. Um, but yeah, it's this really puzzled look on his face. I was like, "Yeah, I work across the street in a record store. If you want, let me show you." And uh, so he comes over, and it was Boris the Sprinklers' End of the Century, which has, of course has them on the cover dressed as the Ramones. You know, it's the same cover but different band. And uh, and he just looked at me, just stared at it, like you know, flipping it over, like over and over and over, just just so confused. And he looked <laughs> and he looked up at me as if I were his father, and said. Do you think that these bands are doing this because they are fans of the Ramones or because they are mad at the Ramones? Christ. And it literally sounded like he was reading it off a cue card and he'd Jesus. never been on TV before. And it was just a shining moment of clarity. And I told him, I was like, no, man, I, I really, these people love you. And, you know, I mean. Obviously, you know the sort of influence that you've that you've perpetuated that you've never, of course, been <laughs> compensated for. You know, you've, you've inspired a lot of people to where you know you could never know because you haven't been paid for it. But um, yeah, these people like you, and I I, I bought the record for him, and I was like, oh, this is. I mean, somebody should have given this to you, so yeah, no shit. I'll just be the guy that does it on one condition. Okay, like you have to autograph it. So Joey Ramone gets a Sharpie and autographs his own copy. <laughs> put, of push, course, the sprinklers put, leave put home. To, to Joey, thanks, Joey. <laughs> and takes it home. So <laughs> somewhere, I, I just wonder, you know, where, you know, when, when, when all of Joey Ramone's records got, you know, parsed out to other people yeah. with his estate, you know, where... Somewhere there's a Boris the Sprinkler record. Yeah. Wasn't, wasn't owned by Joey Ramone. Wasn't, and autographed by Joey Ramone. Wasn't weren't all of his possessions piled high and he burned atop them as as befits his status as the with the kings of rock and roll? Uh, I remember seeing something to that effect. Uh, I, I, I bark I unprofessionally bark laughed at the beginning of your of your story because I looked up the new Scooby Doo and lo and behold the celebrity guest stars, amongst them, Smash Mouth. Wow. Smash Mouth. Do you think there's All-Star was played on that episode? Do you think? Yeah. Indubitably. So glad I haven't had children. <clears throat> or Kiss. Kiss. I saw Kiss and I'm like, yeah, Kiss. All right, they're whores. But then I saw Smash Mouth. And I'm totally on board with the new Scooby-Doo. <laughs> and so, I mean, what is... I mean, I guess anybody in a Scooby-Doo episode is sort of like just interchangeable with any other right. guest yeah. star on a Scooby-Doo episode. But... What could they be doing? What would, what would you think Smash Mouth would be doing on an episode of Scooby-Doo? They would be on tour and their van broke down. Dun, dun, dun. And uh, so they have to seek refuge in a haunted house. I, I gotta find out what the plot of this, this Scooby-Doo yeah. episode is. Yeah. I'm on board. I would say... And of course, this isn't what's gonna happen, but I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe some, their manager... Uh, you know, stole their publishing rights. 
to go buy a, a formerly haunted amusement park that has oil <laughs> underneath it. Wait, yeah, it's an oil. They're, America's just littered with semi-abandoned haunted amusement right. parks that, that cover rich mineral rights. Every city. <laughs> right. exactly. It's a haunted, <sighs> decrepit, crumbling amusement park with ghosts. Oh, man. Keeping out would-be buyers who would, yeah. would, would love to come in and rehab the thing because, mm. you know, in this day of... People flipping amusement parks. <laughs> hey, the amusement park bubble is going to burst someday. I know. The subprime amusement park loans. <laughs> Gene, uh, what are you doing for Labor Day? What am I doing for Labor Day? Uh, boy, that's a really good question. I, it really depends. I mean, having a small child, I... I um, and, and by the way, Bob, in case you missed the news, one on the way. Oh, yeah. congratulations. <laughs> I'm rubbing my, my tummy. Um, uh, probably hanging out at the house. Yeah. Yeah, probably grilling something. Um abusing prescription drugs. Cool. Fireworks? Oh, fireworks would be nice. Abusing yeah. fireworks. <laughs> but they should have more fireworks. Yeah. I mean, if I'm not working, <laughs> there should be more shit with fuses around. Yeah. I'm I'm um I'm, Yeah, totally. I'm, I'm going to be alone this Labor Day. Meg is on her way back from uh Agree up some steaks. <laughs> Make, make, Tofu steaks. Yeah, exactly. She's visiting home, uh, the Bay Area, and so I will be left to my own devices. Actually, finishing up uh, some writing of my own. I'm getting my portfolio together to go uh, pimp myself out as a a writer. Also, um, it being the beginning of September, I've already plugged this on the show. But if you're in LA, the Fight Magazine has a the new issue has an article from me about. The history of homosexuality in the American military. So, uh, as we approach the end of "Don't Ask, Don't Tell," so that's our article is out. But um, the writing I'll be doing will be my own fictional writing. So, my fictional. Yes, I think I'm going to tackle a short story actually, and also oh. a feature. <clears throat> I have the. Um, uh, uh... I have the the uh, synopsis of the Scooby Doo episode featuring Smash Mouth. That would be Reef Grief. Uh, that sounds like something you could get a dispensary. Forty episode forty uh, 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 of the new Scooby Doo Adventures, uh, number twelve in the season. If you're looking it up, um, while on vacation in the sunny country of Australia. The gang discovered that the appearance of a coral creature has jeopardized a sandcastle competition and a Smash Mouth concert. Oh, no. Wow. Oh, boy. I don't know where to go with that. I don't, that that's, yeah. there's, there's no more you can do with that, I think. I, yeah. I wish them well, Smash Mouth. Hasn't Australia suffered enough? <laughs> with the, didn't they have an earthquake in, I want to say, night? Bridge? Was that the name of the town? I don't know. I don't think Australia's a real place, dude. <laughs> you think it's something made up by Hollywood to sell Crocodile Dundee? I think so. I think so. And Jacko and Olivia Newton-John. I think it was friend of the show, Tom Neely, who mentioned that, um, or I don't know, it's, it's some, I feel like this conversation happened between Tom and I or somebody. Like, every time the Melvins play Australia, there's an earthquake. Well, they were, it was, it was, I think that might have been me. Maybe that was it was because they were on tour and they it was was New Zealand. They were in Japan. That's what it was. That, Maybe it was you. That, that that earthquake was in Japan, and then like a month or so later, a month or two months later, they were in. They were actually in Christchurch. Mm-hmm. That's Christchurch is the name of the town. Yeah, New Zealand. Yeah, and 
not to. Maybe upset we talked about this on mic. I don't know. I just mentioned it to Tom because Tom did some cover art for them. Or yeah, Tom did like the that Melvin's comic. So, Tom has a new thing out, The Wolf. If people want to go pick that up, they should. It's it's uh, I've seen some of it. It's really good. If you like that sort of thing. If you like, you know, good graphic art. And who doesn't? Blind people. Yeah, definitely. Fuck those guys. Do you think there's comic books in Braille? No, I'm not making a joke here. I'm actually honestly asking. I don't know. Probably not. I mean, probably now, but I can't imagine a pulp, you know, throwaway. I doubt there's like a specific, you know, genre of marketing too. I'm sure if you go to certain libraries, you can get old Beetle Bailey. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He said what? That's sorry. (laughs) That incorrigible hillbilly. Oh, my. Yeah, how, uh, man, how how bored must you be to read Beetle Bailey comics? With your finger. In general, much less. <laughs> Go through the process of learning Braille and then reading Beetle Bailey. Oh, goodness. You can find us on the internet at shakytownradio.com. You can Twitter us at at shakytownradio. You can like us on Facebook at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash shakytownradio. Send us an email at shakytownradio at gmail.com or call us on the Shakytown Radio hotline at 626-66-SHAKE. That's 667-4253. That's the same number. I can't remember what I was going to say. I was going to say something in the moment. We had to, we had to stop for a moment for some technical issues, but we're back now. Um, New studio, same old issues. Same old problems. Um, the... I was going to say something horrible about people, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> I'd like to say Let's something. Let's take that as red. I like to say something horrible, but I'll I think you should. All right. And Bob, I really want you to chime in on this once I tell my little rant. I'm a person who sees themselves as somewhat tangentially involved in the entertainment industry. I'm by no means even a B star at this point. Like, I'm a grade Z person as far as, like, I've acted in little things. You're I do the salt of the music. You are the, you are the surf. You are the peon that, that hoes the rose of, <laughs> of the entertainment industry. So, but, you know, and, and there's certain, like, comedians and stuff, like Doug Stanhope and, and people like that who I, I do enjoy, um, like, refer to civilians. There's, like, there's us yes, and yes. then there's civilians. And I don't consider myself a civilian anymore, but I still consider myself a member of the, you know... You're like you're like um, the women and uh, minorities that served in World War II. That that uh, you know you ferry the planes and stand guard and right. guard Italian prisoners in Nebraska because you are lesser than the rest of us. Apparently, <laughs> but, but someday you will someday you will get a Medal of Honor yeah. years later when you're a doddering old man. Right. So to a certain extent, like I feel like I'm beneath, or no, I feel like I'm above. I feel like I'm above. Like writing letters to Entertainment Weekly to complain about things, or you know, so. saying saying crappy things about celebrities because it's like you know what they're just they're doing their work. I'm doing my work. Theirs is more popular. It probably wouldn't hurt. What's the name of somebody? Uh, just pick a random movie star. A shitty one or a good one? Either. Jackie Gleason. Good. Good job. <laughs> somebody who's alive now you're fucked <laughs> you let me pick somebody and you got dead Jackie Gleason uh, Owen Wilson okay he's the modern day Jackie Gleason sure for everyone um, I happen so I happen to like some Owen Wilson movies I happen not to like some Owen Wilson movies um, then you're a liar uh, Owen Wilson I actually you're half wrong <laughs> I should say there's somebody whom I actually enjoy uh, as a person very much who I like who's 
connected to Owen Wilson, like a member of their family, and like, I, so I wouldn't say anything bad about him. But even if I did, even if I made fun of Luke Owen Wilson. Wilson's personal tragedy <laughs> or his movie, whether it's his personal tragedy or his new movie, it probably would never get to him. It would not affect him. Um, but I still feel like it's beneath me to do that. So I don't. I'm very careful when I make fun of celebrities. Somebody said something about January Jones, like the kid actor um, who worked with her, uh, said like, oh, you got to be careful. Like, they're like, oh, what's your advice for the new Bobby Draper? Like oh, the right. new kid who's going to replace you as the, yeah. the, the son on the show. And he, and he said, be careful around January. Everybody else is really nice. Because she's totally drunk all the time. <laughs> I, and I, just, I just made the joke like, oh, some, you know, there's some parked cars that wish they had taken that advice. Because yeah, she had a little incident with, you know, running yeah. into some parked cars. Right. I feel like that's a harmless joke. I'm not going to make fun of the fact that she's pregnant and nobody knows who the dad is. I'm not going to make fun of whatever. But As long as it's not Sudeikis, I'm all right. <laughs> So, you know, I do think about these things as a person who has a show and a Twitter and things like that. Having said all that, I would now, I, I, I'm, I'm at this dilemma because Zoe Deschanel has a new TV show. Zoe. It's called The New Girl. I see billboards for it every day. Um, the premise of the show is that She's an awkward girl who can't get dates. Um, she tends to play in films the manic pixie girl, you know, the, sure. the quirky guy falls in love with. Um, she's also a person who purported herself to be a, a vegan and um, in favor of healthy eating. And then like a year later, oh no, I'm not doing that anymore. I need my meat and cheese, blah, blah, blah. Which I am less upset by people who already eat meat and cheese and whatever, than celebrities who push for veganism and then sell it out on, like, Jimmy Kimmel, like Jennifer Goodwin did. Um, and she was at Comic-Con or whatever, or the one of the TV critic assembly things. Mm -hmm. And they're like, how long have you known, or like, what? how long have you known that you're adorable? And everybody laughed and she made faces and she's, she drives. There's something to, in my soul that she pokes at that just makes you want to fuck her. No, no, you do. No, I'm telling you right now. You no, do. you totally do. No, no, no. Okay. There's plenty of female celebrities, actor, you know, actresses, musicians, whatever that I find attractive. I would tell you, you know, and I know she's a good actress. She is a pretty gal. She's musically talented. So I'm not disparaging her as an artist. And I'm not necessarily disparaging her as a human being. I'm sure she, if you're friends with her, she's a great friend. I'm Where's sure. Where's the butt? Where's the butt? Her persona drives me fucking crazy. And it's like, I, I don't know what to do about it. Is that, so is it beneath me to make fun of her and to rally against her and to like want to flip off her billboard every day I drive by it? Like, is it? I don't know what it is. I, there's just something that makes me see red about her. I feel like I should have billed you seventy-five dollars as yeah. your therapist yeah. for all for such a belaboring setup. Not to disparage uh, my my host. Um, yeah, That's I guess. I mean, people have irritated me, and I've done. You know, I've certainly reacted in some ways that were not uh, always applauded. So I get it. I certainly get it. Um, the premise of her TV show is amazing too, because you know this idea that like 
quirky, like attractive, quirky girls just can't get none. It's so funny. It's like, come on. There's a contingency of American male that will fuck a 65 degree fruit pie if you leave it alone. So there's an entire series of a franchise of movies based around that. Right. (laughs) Um, Really, really hot girls, really, really hot girls, like stupid, crazy hot girls. I understand because they seem unapproachable. And, and there's a mechanism built into our biology that you kind of know your level that you're supposed to date at. So which is why only like crazy, weird, short dudes and really rich guys like fuck models because they're the ones who people don't have that part of their brain. They can walk up to, you know, some screamingly hot girl and go, you're going to go come back to my place and fuck. And, you know, I, I, I totally get that. But she's kind of in that middle ground of there is she should not have trouble only in Hollywood would she have trouble getting a date. Unless she, like, works the graveyard shift on, like, a observatory on a mountain somewhere and cannot get into town to date anyone. Or she's, like, in a weather station in Antarctica. <laughs> These are the only scenarios in which a Zoe Deschanel cannot get a date. Yeah. At least to go get coffee with somebody. Right. Or she has some sort of crippling social phobia. Mm-hmm. Like, she's, you know, cowering in a closet all the time. And, and only comes out to, like, defecate in the corners of her room. You know? <laughs> I guess the one thing that sticks out to me about that show is that as much as there's so much, I mean, God, take, go back 10 years even, or 15 or 20 years, and there's, TV has become so much smarter. You know, yeah. I mean, people are, people are doing things in that medium now that are, yeah. that are really well written and well thought out and, and well planned. And then... You know, surely there is still just that sort of lowest common denominator of, of, of you know, that, that people are just going to be entertained by, like, you know, rake hits man in face yeah. kind of bullshit. But yeah. just the fact that there's still this, like, someone who's, like, who has actually had a career doing what well, what I would think is more viable than, like, a, than this sitcom would be cast in something as, like, derivative of, like, brunettes just can't get fucked. <laughs> It's just right. It's a little. It's a bit of a head scratcher, I guess. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think that there's, you know, I mean, as as far as the the, we all know the bar has been raised by you know of a, a, a number of venues, the HBOs yeah. and the Showtimes and things like that. But I still think that there's that. You know, what didn't they just greenland a Tim Allen sitcom or something? Yeah. Okay. I mean, dude, seriously. I mean, it's like I'm sure he's gonna play a guy that's having like, butts heads with his wife or something like that. It's not like he's gonna play like, you know. Uh, some guy who discovers he has Luke Gehrig's disease and is only going to live a year and has mm-hmm. to, you know, reconcile with his kids that he abandoned because he's a cokehead or something. Right. You know, it's it's going to be like yeah. he's a Colts know. fan and he loves to grill. <laughs> hey, how's it going? <laughs> and uh, that that's that Louis episode that was a couple weeks ago. Where yeah, Saint Louis. His... Or it was based on Saint Louis. Good. The, the yeah the, yeah yeah yeah. Louis the... C.K. had made a pilot before Lucky Louis, before right. Louis on FX, which was. A standard, yeah, yeah. We need to give you a sitcom because you're a comedian. Yeah, yeah you're yeah. gonna have a precocious kid and a put upon wife. Yeah, know? so they portrayed a fictionalized version of his experience making that. Just that. Doesn't seem like it was very fictionalized, <laughs> given what I mean. You know, it's like a, well, what everybody loves. Raymond ran for four billion years, and yeah. King of Queens ran for four hundred billion years. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like when Seinfeld is like groundbreaking conceptual comedy on TV, and you know. That's the state of, you know, TV. Mm-hmm. But um, 
Um, somebody, uh, what was it? Uh, so I, 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 I'm trying to find the the tweet that was just nailed the whole new girl thing for me, and, and I'm, I'm, I can't give credit because I'll, I'll have to look it up and find it later. Yeah. But um, the the joke was essentially um, the only time that a that a girl moves in with two guys is if they're all smoking meth. Yeah, <laughs> like that. You know, it's like. Yeah, it makes no fucking sense in the real world. Now, if it was a sitcom about that, I would totally be in 150%. Right. Because that would be hilarious. Hilarious. Especially if you get to watch The Downward Spiral. Yeah. Start writing on that. Let's do it. So do you think I'm more rallying against the... uh, What's touching off the anger trigger in my brain is more the stupidity of the show, not the person herself. Well, I don't know. I mean... It seems to be a, a, a composite. Yeah. I mean, I get she's a shitty vegan. Yep. That doesn't bother me, right? Right. It, it's. I mean, it's a little. It's a little fashionable and a, and a, and a young cliche, but <laughs> who cares? Well, I mean, everybody has a right. That's the thing. Is is you you? I I, I I'm gonna shit on you for a second, Reddy. I think the if you if you were if if that even enters your head that she's championing veganism now she's not. She has a right to not do that. Sure. So, so, I agree with that. so you need that that needs to be set aside as a personal prejudice. And, right. And yeah, I, w- I would be more really upset with like a Jennifer Goodwin who was actually a, a active spokesperson, and then went in on Jimmy Kimmel and right, right, threw right. us under the that's bus. Certainly, that's, that's certainly that's certainly Zoe. Just yeah, <laughs> Zoe. Zoe. I don't know. I know it smells a little Zoe in here. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I, I think I, I think there's part of the problem lies at the foot of the networks mm-hmm. for knowing that their pap will sell, which I guess is not a fault of their own. You know, it's, they can sell shit and people buy it. And also the media for wanting to have an adorable Moppet lovable pixie manic pixie dream girl or whatever, yeah. you know, and eating that shit up. I mean, what's she going to do? Is she going to be fucking sullen and sit there? You know, it's like, she knows what side her bread is buttered on. And, yeah. You know, I, I, you know what, if I was in the same position, I would, I don't know what I would do faced with the choice of being, you know, something that the people want versus what I am. I probably would eventually crack mm-hmm. in a really spectacular fashion. But, <laughs> but seeing as how as I, I have a mortgage and kids, I would probably reap some of the rewards of of that for a while. There's a great. It's in fact, it's it's the only Tashin book I've ever seen that has no pictures in it. But it's a uh, this sort of. Uh, Catalog, if you of of uh, of all TV pilots, I have this that guy book. did an exhaust. Oh, wow! Yeah. yeah, and it came out. It came out early '90s or mid '90s, yeah. maybe. Yeah, talk uh, about that. Well, there's an, like an abridged version yeah. that I that I had and gave away, and then of course had to buy the unabridged version. And there's just some amazing things in it. Like uh, one Do of my favorite. It? One of my favorites is is Where's Everett, which is a pilot. Where uh, it was, it might have been the first thing Larry Hagman was in that wasn't spirituous. And he plays this young executive in New York who, on his way to work, finds an invisible baby. <laughs> and the rub is, he lives in an apartment where you can't have kids. So it's bosom buddy. And he's a young executive. So all the while, he's a single guy and he can't just leave this invisible baby alone. So he's got to take it to work. He's got it, you know. So there's this crying coming. It's like how many? It's like how many episodes could you reasonably have made of Phantom crying what year, what and someone year is this? saying Jenkins? What year is this? This was, uh, I think, uh, 
It was young Larry Hagman, so, so it had to have been like 60s. probably early sixties, like black and white sixties, yeah, yeah, like yeah. Bewitched era. Yeah, yeah, early, early Bewitched. Early bewitched. And, uh, and there were so many, you know, there's so many things like of that, you know, when you look at that time of like genie in a bottle, guys on a stowaway island. It's, yeah. You well, know, it's TV would still be written so by old fan- vaudevillians. Right. It was so fantastic. And, and, and I just wish, you know, there's so many, I mean, for every TV show that worked, there's a bunch of knockoffs like Ebony, Ivory, and Jade, which was uh, a Charlie's Angels knockoff oh, where Christ. Bert Convy plays this sort of Tom Bosley character. Of these, the, a black and uh, white woman who are lounge singers by by night and uh, undercover crime fighters by day, and and Bert Convy plays Nick Jade. They're you know they're men. Oh, and there's not an Asian. There's not an Asian. No, no, oh, no dude, Asians. They, they well, seventies. Yeah. So it was really before Asians could have been anything. Right, right. But but dragon yeah. ladies and, and Hawaiian police sidekicks, butlers, <laughs> butlers yeah, and dragon ladies. Sort of, yeah. <laughs> Still, still somewhat limited. Back when we also weren't racist. Um, oh, it's just Justin Decker's the one that said it. If a thirty-one-year-old woman moves into a house with three dudes, they're probably smoking meth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so they, true. Uh, Invisible Baby. <laughs> so this, this is what I, this is what I am begging TV to come back to. I get Breaking Bad. I get Mad Men. I, you know, Mad Men, and it's. I just want I want fantastic, implausible. How the fuck do you even get two episodes out of this concept to come back again? Like oh, NBC oh. in the eighties, there's a pilot they did called I think it was some sort of like down and out, and and I remember seeing actually seeing this as a kid, but it was a pilot about five homeless people that lived in an al in an alley together. There was when, what year was that? It was uh, a early eighties. Reagan eighties, dude. That that's when. We're yeah. primed for that. Right. We're primed for that. Um, I, I, I'm, things I'm, just, I'm currently off the mic looking uh, in the uh, the study portion of the new studio for the, the, that, the that Shaky Town Library. Shaky Town Radio yeah, Library. Yeah. Um, yeah, boy. I, I did. I'm just. I'm saying. I'm saying five seasons on the Invisible Baby one back yeah. then. Easy. Yeah. Easy. Bewitched. Bewitched. Because there's always, you know, once you run that run that into late sixties, you've got a point where you can bring in a cute new invisible baby. He no, he gets that's the thing. He gets well see, well there'll be invisible child at that point. Right. Unless it's some sort of no, weird retarded monster. <laughs> I have, yeah. <laughs> um uh <laughs> Christ, invisible baby, invisible child. Like my my first, I, I think I'm too rooted in pragmatism because my first thought is, fuck, I'm taking this fucker on tour. <laughs> right. This is going right into the 10 and 1 show. Traveling dinner theater. I mean, dude, okay, think about think of it this way. The 10 and 1 show, what you do, your open is, is the invisible baby. Then you bring out the wet nurse. She takes her tit out, feeds the invisible baby. You not only get the freakish invisible baby... You get the titty show. That is perfect. That is perfect sideshow, right there. I think you could make a some mint. point. You're going to need to work a car chase into this. I'm, I'm talking about in real life. I know on the TV. I know show. on the. Oh well, I know. <laughs> I think eventually you'll probably be run out of town at some point. Yeah. As any good. That's why variety. You need, that's why you need that artist. car chase. Yeah. That's what keeps you rooted. But yeah, I think seven. I think that would have gone seven, at least seven seasons. Right. Yeah, I think that would have gone into color. <laughs> it would have gone long enough to be syndicated. 
Larry Hagman would have been replaced with Dick Sargent. <laughs> the thinking man's Darren. Um, but yeah, I want that return in TV. I want let's do I want we absurd do. premises. Well, you know, I think I think there are. I mean, uh, you I mean can we get Hogan's Heroes in Gu- Guantanamo? I mean, how long was Hogan's Heroes on? Five years? Well, longer than years the war, I think. Exactly. Hogan's Heroes lasted more than the American occupation or the more the American war in Europe. Yeah, yeah. Longer than longer than POWs POWs so, yeah. are being held. So so prisoner of war jokes were funnier than yeah. they took the war to win. I uh, well, I, I once figured out that MASH, if MASH uh, was in real time, it, it was an episode happened every three days. Uh, um you know, for for that to happen. So there's a lot of shit going on, man. Right. In Korea, dude. <laughs> Well, you can't find it, dude. I, uh, I, I, you know, between my all my wife's John Irving books and uh, all the Bibles my grandmother's ever gifted me, and how many uh, Bibles is that? Uh, I think we have three or four. Uh, a bunch how of Henry. Are Rollins. they different versions, or are they all the King James version? Because that would be fucking psychotic. Do you know? There's something I do, and I don't know if you knew this about me, but now everyone will know. <laughs> so when I go to a hotel, and it's and I usually, you know, I usually go for some upscale places. If they don't have, if it, if the service is poor on my my uh, my initial approach or my check in, if there's problems or if people aren't, yeah, people are rude. And I'm not incredibly touchy, but I figure if you're going to a place that's really high end, bring it. So if I'm dissatisfied with my with my service, I'll and get to my room. I will, and if there's no Bible. I will call the front desk and demand, and in some pretty stern, rude tone, demand that someone bring me a bucket of ice and a fucking Bible. <laughs> and then when the guy comes, and I will raise a holy hell about it. And then when they bring it to my room, I'll take, I'll open the door naked and take it. <laughs> Perfect. And that's got to leave somewhat. That's got to leave somewhat of an impression. I think. How many times? A little bit. How, a little bit. How many times have you pulled the trigger on this? Four. <laughs> there's so there's there's four uh, bellhops service staff twice in LA, once in Colorado, and once in New York who are telling this story. I guarantee, yeah. I guarantee they're drinking on this story at least three <laughs> times a year. Uh, three times a year. It's got to be circulating yeah. out yeah, there, yeah. dude. And he came to the door naked. Yeah, guy's screaming at me. Demanded a Bible and some ice. <laughs> then I get up there and he's naked. Just ripped the thing out of my hand. Uh, no tip even. I, go. My favorite, um, Martian. One of uh, my favorite uh, pilot premises that I read about, and I think they did like two or three different versions of this, was a. I want to say it was like a Dirk Benedict or mm. baseman. You know, or you know, some actor of that capacity. Um, Starbucks. Like in the late seventies, and it, the premise was that he falls in love with a girl and gets engaged, but it turns out she's actually the girlfriend of Satan. And oh. so the devil uh, has a cult kidnap her, and the whole show is him and a sidekick traveling the country trying to find her. Is this a sitcom? No, no, this was a, an hour. Because I make an awesome sitcom. This was an hour long. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> is Satan as jealous as God? Hmm. Well, jealousy is uh, one of the sins. I don't know if it's one of the seven deadly Yeah, ones. but, you know... Envy. I, I, yeah. I, I kind of I, I kind of always pictured the Satan's fall as as just kind of like a business dispute, 
like he kind of got the shaft on the whole thing. Like, you know, he stood up to his boss and his boss said, get the fuck out if you don't like it. Yeah. He's like, fine, I'm taking all these fuckers with me. And he's like, fine, fucking go. You know, you know, it's like, and, and then they ended up in the shitty place down the block. And look, for most of our lives, you know, we've been sort of told, you know, as, as we were kids, you know, Satan's manifestation was, was largely through popular culture. You know, Satan would be trying to infiltrate right. to us through through media. And now, you know, so of course he was like he was producing all these heavy metal records and he was making the suggestive, um, you know, images and movies. And now, like, you can steal any movie. Yeah. And the music industry's fucked. So just kind of wonder, like, what? Yeah. What's Satan doing at the old? <laughs> Sleep with. Well, you know, <laughs> you try some stuff. Uh, we put some new people in charge, and you know, unexpected. Uh, let's law of unintended consequences. <laughs> um, speaking as, as as speaking as the devil's advocate here, <laughs> quite a literal capacity. Uh, it's like a press conference. <laughs> yeah, we really, uh, you know, we underestimated the ability of the American teenager to set up peer to peer network sharing, and um, really kind of got away from us. So at least they're stealing. At least they're stealing. The message is still there. The message is still there. It's even more accessible. There, good spin. <laughs> uh, you know, it just brings to mind um, the West Memphis Three just uh, were freed. I mean, they were definitely a victim of that whole uh, satanic panic sure. thing. And what I find interesting about the verdict is that they basically pled no contest to be freed like they're like oh, we're okay. not saying we did it but we're well, admitting you have no no we're conceding you have no, 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 some no. evidence that you could win a court case right. and they're like that's fine this is gonna served. be shitty for everybody uh, <laughs> wow and they can't profit now from their story that's one of the because they're criminals from the deals of the wow. arrangement yeah so they can't um, but maybe and they can't sue but maybe they could couch their story in semi-autobiographical terms like maybe calling themselves the best Memphis theory. right huh call us we can work on this yeah, yeah. wow I did not know that that facet of the, of the story I knew they had gotten released and good for them but it's amazing that you know you would I mean and to say that they were victims of, of satanic panic is also I guess as a corollary to that you have to say they were also victims of being poor yeah yeah yeah. and you know by yeah. and large it broke, get you broke, it gets your jail, jail time is what it does. I was going to rail against some, something, but I, I'm more fascinated with... did what I, I, I can't recall my, my, my favorite Martian mythology, but why was he hiding the Martian? Why was he? Do we, do, was it ever explained, or was it just kind of like de rigueur, like, you know, of course I'm going to hide him from the proper authorities. Well, that's what the premise of Alf was. But Alf was kind of, well... Yeah. Well, if we learned anything from E.T., is that if something came from outer space, motherfuckers were going to come cut it up. Yeah. And if you like... But my favorite Martian was in the Ray 60s. Waltham, you were going to... Well, of course, yeah, but we saw it in syndication. Well, right, obviously. So we... No, it made sense, but right. it made less sense back then. Especially, right. you know, space race and all that stuff. It's like, would you not want something to... I would think Bill Bixby would want him dissected. Yeah. I would think as a scientist, maybe he was a cop. Maybe <laughs> oh, was he was a scientist, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh man, maybe that's why. Yeah. But then he got hit by gamma rays. And then... Well, yeah, we all know how that turned out. He got mm. cancer and died. <laughs> True story. True story. One of my uh, just to, to sort of just to further extenuate this topic. 
one of my favorite as a kid was uh, was old reruns of The Fugitive. Mm-hmm. It was just, I mean, and it was always the same. It was just talk about a, a really thin premise, just made so malleable. It's, it's every, it's just stranger in a new town, dyeing his hair, somehow getting some job that's loosely tied to using his skills as a doctor to help something that would have otherwise died or had to limp home on a broken leg while evading yeah right the, the detective looking for him well and the hulk too exactly the same premise just with the giant green monster right. instead of a murderer but uh the the thing that always killed me as a kid about the hulk and and to my juvenile senses when you can't fool a small child who's incredulous uh, about most TV, it's the fact that David Banner didn't even really pick aliases that were far away. It's like I'm David Brennan, <laughs> you know. It's like it's like I'll happen to get a job back back in the days when security at those nuclear labs wasn't very tight. I'll get a job as a janitor in this nuclear facility. Under an assumed name that's kind of shitty and almost exactly the same as mine. <laughs> Apparently the background checks, giant holes in them. <laughs> you actually just gave me the idea that they should have had um, David Brenner play. <laughs> Hello, this is David Brenner. You wouldn't like me when I was angry. I Perfect. Wouldn't, wouldn't like him. Period. He was happy. What I liked about the 70s Hulk, I just want to say, is that, uh, that they changed his name from the comics from, from Bruce Banner to yeah. David Brenner because Bruce was too gay. Well, it is pretty fucking gay, dude. Bruce Campbell, though. Right. There's Definitely. The exception to prove it's straight. <laughs> what are you going to do? Well, this, thinking about all these, and there's so many shows, so many fugitive kind of themed of like, he's different, so he has to keep moving. Right. Sort right. of uh, premises, which is just, it just made you want, you know, there had to be, just like it's now there's all these pitch meetings where people are like, okay, it's like The Office, but it's a dry cleaner. Okay, it's like The Office, but it's in a record store. Um, that there were, you know, there were those, you know, 60s sort of pitch meetings where you're like, okay, it's the fugitive, but it's a Western. Right. You know, right, you, right. You, know you had Brandon, you know, the guns of Will Sonnet, where well, well, Walter Brennan and his grandson went looking for the man who wasn't a coward. <laughs> and it's just, no wonder we all fucking grew up with the idea that when things were shitty, we could just run away. Because <laughs> every week we could just go to a new city, right. lie about our name. You know, like, of course I could just lie about my age. Like, yeah, I'm 15 and my parents are feral, alcoholic, <laughs> illiterate hillbillies. But I could just fucking every week just somehow show up in a new town. Every and be like, yeah, I'm Bob Snyder. <laughs> teen ager. How much does that pay? And I would just, and for like five years, because, you know, by the time I would run that course, I could just do something else. Yeah, that's true. You know, I, I could move into some kind of threes company premise. <laughs> I uh, yeah, that's really interesting too because it is kind of the everybody talks about the the good old days and how you know neighborhood and community, but you basically had a bunch of shows about people who were for one reason or another pariahs and forced right. to drift aimlessly. Yeah. <laughs> that was what captured the national consciousness, at least in a small segment. It was the the the, the nervous tickings of a of a of a drifter. Right, right, right. He, and it turns out he's okay. And how could that happen to a doctor? Right. <laughs> just... Yeah. Well, apparently he wasn't a rich doctor because otherwise he would have just stayed put and gone. Gotten a really good defense attorney and said, you know what? 
you throw the book at me. I got, you know, I got a shit ton of money backing me up. And um, Ironsides. And I'm and I'm a white dude in the 60s. <laughs> yeah, Ironsides. Oh, crap. Well, we got to make room for the next show coming in here. Do we? Bob, do you have any dates coming up? Uh, no. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I know what I was going to say. Yes, Gene. I was going to say, it's like The Office. I, I, I was going to write a script based around a mockumentary TV show being filmed by a mockumentary TV yes, show. Yes, yes. <laughs> but I tried, and it just made my head ache. Yeah, yeah. It was too recursive even for me. Yeah. Meta-mockumentary. <laughs> Meta-meta. Well, I think it was a meta-meta-mockumentary. Yeah. It was a mockumentary about a crew shooting a mockumentary TV show. Could have been a documentary. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Bob, when you do have some dates coming up, people can find that on Twitter at yeah. Bob Schreiner. You could find that right there, amongst other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, on my end, we I have the uh, the film coming out September thirtieth, Echo Park Film Center, five bucks, eight thirty p.m. Come see it. I'm pretty good at it. And they're practically giving it away. Yeah, that's cheap. Cheap is free. Yeah. Yeah, you get five bucks. Yeah. What if you, you don't have five bucks, you can literally stand on a corner with a sign that says, give me five dollars and you'll probably have like 20 bucks in an hour. As long as you're not standing on the corner I'm working. Yeah. Right. If you work for minimum wage, you'll work 35 minutes to see this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Take a break. And the movie's at least twice that long. Maybe a little less than twice that long. Is it in an air-conditioned theater? Presumably. <laughs> Presumably. Or will they crank up the, the heat in there? You'll be cranking the heat up in there. I'll be cranking the heat up in there as Bo, a radical poet who goes to South America. Um, I'm I'm by no means the star of the film, though. The it's really Anton and Felix's story, but you you can check it out. Um, Gene, what do you got coming? Are up? you a scene stealer? Eh, do you steal scenes? I'd scene? like to think so. I'd like to think so. I had some good mugging for the camera and. Did you mug for the camera? A little it's bit. It's totally different than scene stealing. A little bit. Mugging might end up being scene stealing, but... No, I, I improvised a, uh, a cigarette smoking scene that's quite hilarious. Based on your old mime routine? <laughs> yes. Do I have anything coming up? Not a goddamn thing. No. Um, uh, uh, I don't know. Just catch me on Twitter where I say things that occasionally amuse a handful of people. I was looking at Favestar. I am looking at Favestar now. Um, uh, you're, you're in the presence of... Uh, you're in the presence of uh, where's my best? Like a 16-time yeah, favorite. 16 favorite. Yeah, that's best of. Yeah, but uh, but some some of those people are. Uh, oh, so no, I are, are, I'm I'm yeah. a, as as a peer group, I appreciate the people who gave me those 16 yeah. favorites. They are worth a thousand for sure. But when I see banal people with three four hundred favorites. Yeah. Can't say I'm not jealous. Because <laughs> I'm not. Ah. No, nothing going on. Uh, no uh, um, watch this space kind of thing. Cool. Just this. This is enough, isn't it? Isn't this enough more gene than anyone can handle? <laughs> I'll tell you it is. And I will hear you say that. Yep. Well, cool. It uh, As our first repeat guest, uh, it has been an absolute joy and pleasure yeah yes, thank you all for, mine thanks for making this labor day special so special <laughs> it's fucking hot in here dude we need yeah. a fan <laughs> why do you think i was wrapping it up <laughs> um, so uh, i'm about to start fanning myself like a like a stereotypical black woman in a church mm. i said it's a stereotype it exists because it's true eh. the churches are warm have you been no. if you want a pentecostal really, church 
live up that stereotype, you're going to need a hat. Oh, fancy hat. Sunday, Sunday hat. hat. Church hat. Mm-hmm. Church hat. Well, let's all go hat shopping. Shall we? So until next time, I'm Brody Foster Hubbard. I remain Gene George. And I'm Bob Schreiner. And I won't be here. Or maybe I'll be the only guy to be here three fucking times. Boom. <laughs> Trey Pete. I won't say three Pete. Because Pat Riley owns that. Baby, away.